Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. This season, our sixth, we're talking to my colleagues at Guardian Nurses about how they help our patients navigate a very complex and confusing healthcare maze. At the end of each episode, you'll hear their suggestion as to how you can become an advocate for yourself and your loved ones. Of all the challenges in our healthcare system, communication is number one. That communication can be among healthcare professionals or from healthcare professionals to patients and families. And when someone you love is in the hospital for an extended period of time, chances are very good that that communication may cause frustration or fear or perhaps anger. This episode, I speak with Janice Penn one of our guardian nurses, mobile care coordinators, as she shares a story about helping a wife navigate her husband's journey through the ICU. Janice Penn, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you. Thank you, Betty. It's great to be here. Yeah, this is your first time on the podcast. Congratulations. Thank you. Such an honor. (laughs) The first of many, I suspect. Um, So, Janice, we are uh, this season looking at uh, all the good work that our nurses do and telling stories about the patients that we work with uh, in a way that we can share our knowledge with our listeners. And um, you have a pretty big role out in South Jersey with one of our larger clients uh, as a mobile care coordinator. So uh, and you shared the story with us a couple days ago, and I wanted to have you back on the podcast so that we can talk about it. So why don't you tee up this story for us? Okay. So every day our team receives a daily report of who's in the hospital and the mobile care coordinators, they go by that information and go out to the hospitals and visit the members. So, I recently received this gentleman's information from one of our daily reports. I found out he was in his 30s. He was in the hospital. So I went over to the hospital to check on him. When I arrived to his room, he was in the intensive care unit. He was laying in his bed with his eyes closed, hooked up to multiple different machines. He couldn't breathe on his own, so he was connected to the breathing machine. He was on the heart monitor. He had multiple medications going at the same time on multiple IV pumps, medications to keep his blood pressure up, to keep him sedated, to help fight the infection. Due to the medications and the breathing machine, I wasn't able to speak with him to get more information or find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, his spouse wasn't at the bedside, but his cousin was. So I Mm -hmm. did give the cousin my contact information to pass on to the wife, because at that time I hadn't, I didn't have any contact information for the wife. So I had no way to get in touch with her to let her know we're here to help and find out what was going on. Right. And, and just by virtue of going in, if he had been awake and talking, then you would have been able to get his consent. But because he was intubated, you weren't able to get that consent. And that's that's a big deal for us. We want to make sure that 
patients want to work with us. We don't, they don't have to, right? Yes, we definitely don't force anybody. We let them know what we're here for, that we're here to help. And some people, they, some patients want our help and some patients, they don't. And you can't right. force anyone to let you help them. Right. But so you, so you interacted with the, um, with his cousin? Yes. Um, very briefly, I gave her my card, let her know what I, like what my role was. And I asked if she could send it to the wife and ask the wife to give me a call because I can't get consent from the cousin. That's not the proper way. Um, so as I was driving home from the hospital, the wife called and it was our first conversation. And she was telling me that she felt very overwhelmed. She didn't know exactly what was going on with her husband or what the plan was to get him better. She felt like the team wasn't communicating everything in a way she understood. She was considering having him transferred to another facility, but she wasn't sure how to get that process rolling. Mm. Why um, did she why did she want to transfer just because of the frustration she felt? Um, a couple of things. The frustration she felt with not knowing what was going on and not feeling like she was being communicated with properly. And then she had concerns of the care provided by one of the nurses. Mm, okay. um, so after speaking with her, I started helping to guide her through this lovely maze of health care. Um, <laughs> I know you don't mean that, Janice. <laughs> I mean it from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> not the lovely part, the maze part, but uh, not the lovely. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, so I encouraged her to, first off, speak with the nurse manager regarding the concern she had with the nurse and the care that was being provided. Because regardless if he was transferred or not, he was going to be at that facility for whatever period of time still. So the nurse manager should be made aware of what's going on. And if she has concerns with the care her husband's getting, then it should definitely be talked yeah. about. Yeah. Or yes. Otherwise, how's it going to improve if it will improve? Absolutely. Right. What would, do you know what her concerns were? Uh, with the nurse? Was he on night shift or was it a he or It she was a night shift nurse who had taken care of her husband two nights in a row and his medications that keep him sedated had ran dry and he ended up taking uh -huh. the breathing tube out because he oh. woke up oh. and that caused an additional complication to his hospital course he ended up with oh. aspiration pneumonia oh geez okay mm -hmm. i can see why she would be concerned <laughs> absolutely so that was to help with the first issue one of the issues i should say um i then encouraged her to ask for a meeting with the care team so that they could go over what her husband's diagnosis was what the plan is moving forward what are like what are our goals mm -hmm. and we did have the meeting i sat in the, the meeting with her so she could have a second set of ears because 
at these meetings, you get so much information. It can be very overwhelming and having an extra set of ears to listen what is being said. And then you can go over everything later to make sure that everything was heard. Right. Um, So she did have a meeting with the doctor. He did go over what the patient's diagnosis was, what the plan was to treat him. We talked about what we should expect moving forward. She had a chance to ask any questions she had. Mm -hmm. She does have a friend who's in the healthcare field who has been guide, who has been helping to guide her with her questions and whatnot. So she did have a list of questions to ask. Okay. And, And I thought that was big too, because you have questions and sometimes you forget what the questions are because there's so many different things going on in the intensive care unit and writing them down so that you have those questions once you have the opportunity to ask mm-hmm. that's that's a that's big well and i i think i don't know if it was on this podcast or maybe i it was just in discussion with our team but i we always recommend to families with any kind of lengthy hospital stay and maybe even only three days but certainly in a lengthy hospital stay that you could you should keep a journal or a notebook um, keep track of who's coming into the room what questions you might have after they leave so that you can address it again. I think that's really helpful because I know myself, if I don't write stuff down, I, I forget it, you know? So um, I think that's, and to have a care team meeting to your point is really helpful. And I don't think enough people know that they can ask for that. So kudos uh, to you. Yeah. She seems very excited to be able to have that team. She was like, Oh, I can do that. I said, absolutely, <laughs> right. you can do that. Right. I said, Surprise. and you can even ask for more. If you yeah. want to have another one next week, we absolutely can schedule it. So for her having that time to sit down with the doctor and him explain everything in layman's terms, and she felt heard, she was able to ask, and it just did wonders for this hospital stay with this family. Uh, you know, proof that communication is, uh, can be very helpful, right? And often is the number one problem uh, that we see for sure in our, in our roles at, as nurse advocates, because uh, th- to your point, the ICU is a very busy place. There's a lot of moving parts, right? People are in and out. Doctors are in and out. Nurses are in and out. And it's, it's not great for communication. So, uh, I'm glad that she felt like she had her um, questions answered and that she was heard, more importantly. Yes. And speaking of people coming in and out in the intensive care unit, there are so many specialists seeing one particular patient. So depending on who it is coming in and out of that room that you ask, hey, how's so-and-so doing? You might get a different answer because if it's a say a kidney specialist, they may be giving you an update pertaining that specific body system. So he's telling you, oh, the kidneys are great, but not specifically saying the kidneys are great. Like, yeah, he's doing great. And, but that's not giving you a full picture. So it is important to know who you're talking to coming in and out of the room. Good point. Yeah. It's not always clear because they, 
have white coats and unless you get their <laughs> ID badge and sign in, please, our guest appearance. Who is this? Um, yeah, because and, and nephrologists come in. You, you don't know what that is. What, is. what are you talking about? Right. And then mm-hmm. hepatologists in. you don't know that. So uh, in an ICU setting, uh, who's who's usually the captain of the ship? I would say the RN, the nurse who's assigned to the patient, is usually running the show. Mm-hmm. She knows what doctors on on for the day, who to go to if there's an issue. Um, so if it's something, yeah, I would say the RN runs the show. Right. At least that's a first stop, right, before you can... Yeah, that then... would be the first stop. And then if there was an issue that you wanted to speak with someone about, then you would make yourself familiar with the charge nurse or the nurse manager. Okay. When she's not, when she or he's not in a meeting. <laughs> but they're usually pretty responsive, though, when you, when you request a, a meeting or at least a, uh, you know, a quick side by side you can usually get that yeah, how long so was your was your patient in the in the unit oh he's still there he's oh. been there for since the beginning of september wow and this is mid october wow he's still there yes ma'am has the has the experience for the wife improved as a result of having you uh coach and and champion her through Yes. So she is not afraid to speak up. She will ask if she's not sure who she should talk to. Then she finds the nurse and just says, hey, this is my issue. Who do I need to go to? She is not hesitant to ask for a meeting with the doctor. And it's been such a change in her feelings and the way she's handling things, knowing she can ask these questions, she can bring up whatever concern she has. Okay. And she didn't pursue transferring him then? She did not. He is still at the facility he started in. Yeah. So, right. It it does, it, it does matter I mean, when you feel like yeah. somebody's listening, right? Communication I'm... made a world of a difference for this wife. Right. And you know what, Janice, I'm sure if you felt like the care was not up to snuff, I'm sure you would have suggested that the they look at transfer because sometimes that happens. It's, you know, it's not often, but sometimes it happens. And I think that your experience kind of weighing in with her because she's not a nurse, but you're thinking, eh, I'm not sure this is going to get any better. Right. And maybe we should look at transferring him so that it can happen. Yes. So, so what, based on this experience that's still ongoing, what would you like, like, what's the takeaway for you to to share with our listeners? If God forbid they have somebody in the ICU or on a lengthy admission, like, I think that's it because most patients aren't in the hospital, you know, six weeks Mm -hmm. uh, unless they're really critically ill. So what would you like to share with our listeners as kind of your key takeaways? Don't be afraid to speak up, ask questions if you have them, and don't be afraid to ask, who do I go to for this concern? Be familiar with the care team, especially if it's a lengthy hospital stay. 
you're going to want to make yourself known to the care team and know who to go to for which for whatever concern or question you have. And um, so you, you suggested the nurse. There are also, you said nurse um, manager. The nurse so manager. Another, another yes. person. Charge the case nurse. manager, right? Case yes. manager. Although sometimes in the ICU, in an ICU setting, the case managers aren't that, um, I don't want to say involved, but because the patient is critically ill, everybody's focused on just getting them better. Uh, and the case manager will typically get involved when they're transferred to a step down. And maybe there's some discharge planning going on then, but certainly not from an ICU. So, okay, so charge nurse, nurse manager, critical care nurse who's there at the bedside. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also suggest, as we said earlier, to keep a journal or keep some notebook um, so that it, it just kind of get it gets it out of your head and puts it down. Like I met with Dr. Smith today and he said this, and I met with Dr. Jones later and she said that, right? So that you have some running commentary for your loved one's stay. I think that can be helpful as well. Yes, or put absolutely. it on your phone. I mean, I, I'm an old school uh, <laughs> writing it down, but write it down on your, on your phone in your notes section, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and I hadn't, I didn't bring this up, but that also would be very, is very helpful when you have a large family. This man has a large family and it's been helpful for the wife being able to write things down and share it with the family later, keeping them updated on what's going on so that there's not seven different people calling the hospital oh. for an update every oh, day. A, right. So there's that's a, a point idea. person. Yeah. That's that's a good idea. Um, I, I know that um, this is often, this is a, I think it's an app that a lot of patients that have cancer uh, use. And uh, I typically will suggest it uh, to folks. Um, have you heard of, hold on, I, I, what the heck's it called? I, oh, have you heard of Caring Bridge? No. What is that? So it's an app that you can load onto your phone. And in instances like this, um, as I said, I, I often recommend it to families who have uh, patients or loved ones with cancer because it can be so overwhelming to hear all this information and share it. But in an ICU setting, like, like the one you're talking about, so the app will, it's a communication tool for families. So say the wife registered and she said, my husband you know, Joe is, is in the ICU and she sends a link out to all the family that want to know how Joe's doing, right? They can go on to the app and get updates. She, she has to, or she or someone else can write the update and then it gets sent out to all the folks who want the update or if uh, they want to sign in to Caring Bridge, they can get the update. So it's a way of, for a family to manage like just one update. That's right. Awesome. And then every, right. And then everybody can join in. Uh, I know that, as I said, I've suggested to several patients uh, that I've known who had cancer. And especially when you have family that's, you know, all over the country, stuff like that, it can be helpful. So. 
Yes, just, I'm going to share that tech with the wife when I when I talk to her yeah. next. That can be very very helpful. Yeah, I think it's Caring Bridge. Um, maybe it's .org. Maybe it's not even an app, but I'm sure it's an app of some sort. <laughs> but but check it out, and uh, that can be a, a big. That's another tool as well. Besides. Because it can be overwhelming, right, to communicate. Because people mean well, and they want to know how things are going. But it can be frustrating because she's trying to have dinner. And, uh, you know, she's got to update cousin Betty, you know. so After she already updated Aunt Sally, Uncle Tom, and right, cousin right. Jessica. Right. right. <laughs> well, it sounds like, uh, knock on wood, This uh, hopefully this case will end successfully and he'll go home and and be with his family again. So thank you for, for helping her and, and for helping him by helping her, you're helping him. So thank you for the good work that you do. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. It is a pleasure. Okay. All right, Janice, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining. See you next time. Thank you, Betty. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.